Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. Welcome to our Wednesday night online Bible study. Um, I'm so happy to be back at um, our Long Beach residence. We've been out the cut for about seven weeks, Boomy and I and the family. Um, we had a, a remodel project going on here at the house. Um, <clears throat> it's um, much needed um, improvements that we have been working on for the better part of three years. It's been a three-year process, and uh, we're thankful to be coming to the end of that. We're not completely finished yet, not completely done, but um, it's coming together. It's coming together. Um, and so I thank the Lord for his provision. I thank God for um, the Lord bringing us to the right uh, contractor. You guys, uh, any of you guys know if you've ever um, done a home project, if you've ever worked with somebody um, very closely, hands-on, it's like being married um, to your wife. You have to communicate uh, early and often and uh and making sure that all the details are addressed. Otherwise, things will go forward without your approval, your permission, because time is money and money is time. And um, but we're we're blessed to be back home and and uh, we're still getting situated. We're living still out of boxes and bags here at the house. Um, the kids are finishing up the school year 2021, um, making their way back to a hybrid model. And uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, Boomi's back in school as well. My wife is, is um, she's pursuing her ministerial license with the Assemblies of God. And she's in school. She's got homework assignments, exegetical papers. She's got to write papers about what she believes. And she's learning um, just to use some of the tools of biblical um, interpretation. Um, and it's great because she and I are having theological conversations on a completely different level and and I'm I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it I remember my years in seminary um, there at Fuller uh, Seminary in, in Pasadena and to now be able to be able to enjoy that and share those conversations and times with my wife it's it's great but welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study um, facilitated by Mission Ebenezer Family Church I'm honored to share the responsibility with many of our uh, teachers and preachers of our church who are gifted in the area of uh, teaching and preaching. Many of you who are with us now on the call are um, those teachers and preachers that are also in training and, and getting prepared as well. So my job is just to be the facilitator. God's called me to be a pastor that equips and that sends. Um, and the people of God belong to God. My job is to equip them with the gift that he has given to them. And so uh, I'm excited, you guys. Um, I'm excited. We're, we are launching a leadership development and curriculum this summer. If you're around the area, if you don't have a home church, if you're looking for a church to grow, if you're looking for a church to um, be discipled and developed in ministry, if you're looking for a place where you can get equipped, um, and to be sent into the world um, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in great need of hearing the message of Jesus and loving them the way Jesus did. Mission Ebenezer's got to be a place that you would consider um, to be equipped. So God bless you. Hey, would you guys all just join with me right now in prayer as we begin in um, 
uh, our Bible study. We're going to be reading um, the first chapter of the book of Philippians, which is one of the letters that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So um, more about that later. I'm going to give a, just um, a cursory introduction to the whole book, and then we're going to focus on chapter 1 in and of itself. So I pray you're blessed by tonight. Father, we thank you and we love you. I feel a peace right now, even as I'm praying. I feel your hand resting on my shoulder. I feel like at this point in my life, you're making it clear who you've called me to be, um, where you've called me to be, and, and how you want me to do it. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the example that Paul is to us. I thank you for the, the, the letters that he wrote to the churches all over the Mediterranean region. Um, also, this church in the region of Macedon, uh, Philippi, that uh, was a tremendous church, an influential church. It wasn't a big church right away, but it was an influential church because of the tremendous leadership that you placed there. So, Father, I pray even in Carson, I pray in Los Angeles, that Mission Ebenezer, I pray that pastors and churches everywhere um, will understand what you've called them to, to do and who you've called them to be so that we can equip, Lord God, uh, the saints for the work of the ministry. We love you, Father, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be reading from the book of Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to be giving an overview of what we're going to be talking about um, after we read this first chapter. Um, and so let's begin. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So Paul and Timothy are writing this together. Um, and uh, they were in jail together. So likely Timothy was probably uh, the scribe and Paul was dictating what he wanted to be put to paper. To all the saints, um, Greek word for saints is uh, hagioi, hagioi, which is where we get the word uh, hagia or holy, right? So to all the holy ones in Christ Jesus at Philippi, uh, together with the overseers and deacons, Philippi is uh, the city named after Philip of Macedon, and Philip of Macedon was the father of Alexander the Great. There's a little uh, uh, history lesson for you guys, um, Macedonian history lesson. And there was lots of great nations that, um, that, that rose and, and were, were conquered um, and, and empires that were established. Well, we learned, right, in world history in ninth grade, we learned about Philip of Macedon. We learned about Alexander the Great. So we need to connect that here when we read the books like um, the book of Philippians or letters like um, Philippians. All right, let's continue. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have in my heart, for whether I am in chains, which he was, he was in prison. Paul was writing uh, in prison at this point. Or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, 
and that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that's his introduction. He gives thanks. Um, he gives thanksgiving. And he offers a prayer in the middle or at the beginning of his, uh, his letter. In his letter, he offers a prayer um, there as he begins this, this love letter to the church in Philippi. And you're going to hear me talk about that. The love that Paul had for the people of, of uh, Philippi. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's talking about being arrested, put in chains, and thrown in prison. All right, he said, what has happened? The fact that I've been thrown in jail has been, he said, um, good for the purpose of advancing the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard, the whole Roman praetorian, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So, so Paul was not a martyr quite yet, but he was being persecuted because of his faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it was through his persecution um, by being thrown in prison that people um, made themselves even more committed to... Um, preaching the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And he was thrown in jail because of the good news, because of preaching Jesus. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. What does he mean right there? Some preach it out of envy or, good, or, or rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He's saying this, that, that people, um, it was a trend. It was like a, a, a fad for some people that, Oh, there's this Christ figure. There's this messi messianic figure that people uh, started to learn about and follow. And then because they were gifted in speech, when they were gifted in, in you know, uh, oratory uh, skills, they would begin to start preaching and teaching as well to, to get some type of personal game or prestige uh, from it. Uh, so Paul's kind of making... making um, a little comparison and, and showing a difference between when somebody is truly called to Jesus Christ for the right purposes um, as opposed to wrong motives. He says, but others do it out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So you're, what Paul's saying is some people now are, um, with Paul being in jail and being absent from the scene, preaching the gospel and hitting his spots, other people started to rise up and try to take Paul's place to try and uh, draw to them the attention that supposedly Paul was drawing unto himself and his other disciples by preach, preaching the message of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, the reason I preached was because I love those that God has sent me to. And I want to demonstrate to the disciples that are with me that we're doing this because of how much God loves them. Whereas he's saying other people have um, wrong intentions in why they were, they were doing this. All right, let's continue. Verse 18. 
But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. All right. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by it, the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Right. Um, that kind of sounds like Romans chapter eight, verse 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So it's like same author, very similar spirit or essence of what he says here in verse 19 of, of chapter 1 of Philippians, um, but with a different uh, context. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as Christ, um, as, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a, a verse that we can underline, that we can um, commit to memory. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body alive. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man or one body for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on, you, on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now I hear that I still have. Philippians chapter 1. There it is. It's the beginning of four beautiful chapters of a love letter that Paul writes to the church at Philippi. Now, there was no synagogue, many uh, scholars believe. There, were, there was no synagogue or, or gathering place. Uh, so Paul oftentimes had to go outside the city gates. And if you read the book of Acts chapter 16, you can see a little backdrop, a little history of the, the beginnings of the church in Philippi where Paul began to preach and teach there on the riverbanks and the likes of Lydia um, and many other women business, uh, uh, business women um, came to know Christ there on the riverbanks while, while, Paul, while, while Paul was probably interrupting on like their, their chamber of commerce meeting. You know, it was like the women's chamber of commerce there in Philippi. Um, and so they were very wealthy. They were successful and influential. And Lydia even, Lydia even convinced Paul to go and um, to stay with her. So she became a type of sponsor for Paul and his missionary journeys. And by Paul pouring into them and pastoring them and building them up and allowing them to do the ministry there in Philippi, they understood the, the essence and the urgency of the gospel and they continued, the church at Philippi continued to give um, offerings and to support Paul um, as a missionary 
being sent into the world to preach the gospel to Gentiles. And so you can read at the end of uh, Philippians chapter 4 that he says, I'm thankful for your gift. So Paul was sending this letter almost like as a thank you letter, as a thanksgiving letter, as a, 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 a teaching, a training, and a truth letter to the church in Philippi. And he continued to sow seeds of encouragement to them um, and stayed in touch with them. So Paul was no dummy, man. He was very, very smart. He understood that God was using him and he was also using the church at Philippi. So um, I thank God for that. I think that's huge. There's four things that I saw here in the whole book of Philippians. I read through the book um, before I started today because I knew I was going to be bringing the first uh, teaching or lesson <coughs> of Philippians to us through our Bible study, our online Bible study. Okay, so there's four things that I want to start, that I want to talk about today. Number one is time. Everybody everybody, write down our first point for uh, the Bible study lesson tonight is time. And there's four T's, four T's that I'm going to talk about. All right, so I think it's just easy and it's helpful to grab onto principles when we can bring them into ways and, and um, illustrations that are easy for our mind to comprehend concepts that we can grab onto. Because what is teaching? What are words if they're not logos, if they're not symbols, if they're not images, if they're not artistic renderings of what uh, concepts and thoughts that we have in our mind? What are thoughts? What are concepts if not they are, are if, if, if they aren't pictures in ways that God is speaking to us so that we can download them, right? So the first one is time, all right? Um, the second one is teaching. Uh, the third is truth. And the fourth is training. All right. The fourth is training. So I want to start by talking about time. All right. Now, Paul. Paul sat down and, and, and the Lord placed this upon my heart, um, I believe, through the Holy Spirit to teach and to talk about the time that that Paul spent or the time that Paul took to actually write this letter, all right? This letter probably did not happen in one sitting. This letter probably happened over the course of several sittings, uh, several uh, thoughtful uh, segments um, or moments. Uh, today, I was part of a two-hour um, podcast recording um, with a friend of mine who's doing um, some podcasts on ministry. And, and today the, the podcast was on uh, preacher's kids or pastor's kids, PKs, if you're not familiar with that kind of ling lingo. And um, it took about two hours. Well, guess what? We were able to do that in, in just one sitting because we were able to talk back and forth. And there were three, three panelists on the discussion um, facilitated by a friend of mine named uh, Araceli Godoy. And and it was just great. But guess what? She's probably going to turn that podcast into several episodes. And so writing is much different from talking. Although Paul was probably dictating to Timothy what he wanted to say and put on, on uh, parchment paper, uh, I'm sure they weren't able to do all this in one sitting. Uh, Paul would have been stressing. Timothy would have been stressing. Timothy, wait, wait, back, back, back up, back up. What would you say right there? That was good. Slow down. Say that again. Paul would have had to say, okay, wait, what, what did I just say? Uh, Lord, Lord, help me, help me gather that, that thought the way I said it, because I, I, I don't know if I could say it again a second time, right? 
So that's probably what goes on when somebody is, is, is speaking, dictating to somebody else who's, who's um, writing down um, dictation, right? That's what we used to do in first grade. Miss Towns at Carson Street Elementary. Every Friday, we had a spelling test and a dictation test. How many of you guys remember dictation tests, right? Uh, you would sit down and the teacher would then read off sentence after sentence after sentence. She would repeat the sentence. You had to write down the proper grammar, the proper punctuation, put commas where they belonged, um, periods or question marks. You had to spell the words properly. That was called dictation, and that was part of our spelling and grammar, man. They just don't do it like they used to, right? Um, and that's probably what, what was taking place right here. So Paul is, is dictating to Timothy, right? So Paul took the time because he loved to teach. Now, for, for some of us, teaching doesn't come naturally. If you have the gift to teach, right? Some people like to teach, but they don't have the gift to teach. Some people um, have the gift to teach, but they don't really like to teach. Some people just can't teach, right? Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of in the middle. Sometimes, um, because teaching is, is like a knack. And so sometimes I lack the patience to just teach. I, I lack the patience to just teach my kids things that they need to learn, right? Um, sometimes verbally communicating and demonstrating and showing is is part of the teaching and and one of our brothers from church uh commander leo vasquez shout out to brother leo uh keep his family he's he's the director of our boys ministry uh discipleship ministry at church called the royal rangers brother leo's um father just recently passed away and um and and the vasquez family they're sad but his father had come to know jesus in his in his uh latter years and uh but but yesterday leo was talking about how his father was just a teacher his father would love to just spend time at home in the garage under the car um teaching the kids how to change brakes change the oil fix cars see you see that that's the catalytic converter you see that over there that's the engine see that's the that's the oil dipstick Right, and he loved to teach and demonstrate and show and explain big things. And man, when I think about that, I'm like, man, you know, some people are gifted with that, and that's not one of my my strengths. That's not one of my my gifts. But um, but it's necessary. It's necessary because of what God has called me to do. I believe God's placed upon me the the apostolic calling, and I believe uh, Paul has the apostolic calling as well. Which means that we were we were sent, and we were meant to equip and to send out. So I, I believe that that that's one of my desires. Man, I get excited about that. Um, when I was uh, with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I used to raise up staff all around Los Angeles County. I used to take long long um, car rides to the top of North County and Antelope Valley, Palmdale. Um, Santa Clarita Valley, San Fernando Valley, San Gabriel Valley, East Los Angeles, um, all the way out. I mean, you name it. I loved to meet with people and hear their heart. I loved people who were being restored to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I loved to hear people's heart about preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and witnessing and evangelizing and being missionaries 
and being empowered and given the authority that was given to me by God to raise them up to be, um, you know, the, 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 the mouthpiece for Jesus in these regions all across Los Angeles. That was a gift to me. That was a gift because I love people. It was a, you can hear my daughter in the background. That was a gift to me because that gift that God has placed in me is, is it was able to be demonstrated by raising people up. And it's one of the things that I miss about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Ministry. But it's one of the things that I'm getting excited about because God has given us a mission and a vision at Mission Ebenezer to restore, equip, and send. It's a threefold. Uh, it's a threefold uh, mission to to go and reach, to equip and disciple, and then turn into leaders, develop into leaders, and then send those leaders out. So, and and that's what Paul did. And part of what Paul did through his letters was take the time to unpack everything that was in his heart, the things that he was stewing on and brewing um, in his spirit in order to raise up men and women of God. Because whenever Paul says, dear brothers, the Greek word for brothers here is Adelphoi. And Adelphoi is the masculine form of the word brothers, but it also can mean men and women. So when he says uh, in verse 12, now I want you to know brothers, or the King James Version is brethren. It's really saying, now I want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened dot, dot, dot. So it's brothers and sisters, right? Men and women have been uh, equipped and raised up to do the work of the ministry for thousands of years, right? Um, and, and I find that, uh, I find that amazing. I find that encouraging that Paul was raising up men and women like Lydia. Um, we read about in Acts chapter 16, Timothy, who he met in Lystra, if you read Acts chapter 16, which is a, a cross-reference, yesterday my wife, Bumi, was asking me about cross-references, and she would say, can you explain to me what a, what's the difference between a cross-reference and a parallel text? I was like, that's, that's, that's fire right there. That's, that's great. So let me explain. A parallel text is a text that almost says the exact same thing and that you find it in a different book. It's almost like the Gospels. There's a synoptic Gospel account. Sometimes you find three different versions of the same pericope or story um, or parable in three different Gospels. That's called parallel texts. A cross-reference is when you can read about the book of Philippians, but you go to the book of Acts to learn about Paul's missionary journey and the time spent in Philippi. So that's a cross-reference, right? And that gives us historical context and depth to understand the context of what God is saying in the text, right? Stay with me now. Stay with me, y'all. I'm not trying to get all, all academic or nothing. No, I just want you to understand. I do want you to grow. Trust me, I want you to grow. You are smart. You are brilliant. You're smarter than you think. You can handle what I'm saying. I know you can. And God's going to raise you up to be a teacher. God's going to raise you up to be um, a servant, a worker. God's going to raise you up to be a deacon, right? An overseer. God's going to raise you up. Just like Paul writes here, to the holy ones in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, the bishops, 
or the deacons, the workers of the ministry, right? So number one, the first T for me is time. Paul took the time to build people up. It takes time to build people up. Are you being built up in Christ right now? Why is it so important for you to be patient and let God build you up? It's because God wants to make sure that the perfect and complete work that he's doing in you is a work that can be finished so that you can have the confidence and you can have the foundation needed in order to do the full work that Jesus Christ has called you to. Now, Christ also cautions us through Paul, one of Paul's other letters. Um, I don't know if it's Titus or if it's Timothy, where he says, now don't raise other people and send them out to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ too soon lest they be conceited, puffed up, and get big heads in the ministry and then have a quick fall. But guess what? It's so important for us to get that, that solid foundation because my dad has always taught me the deeper the foundation, the wider the foundation, the, the, the wider the, the, the building, the edifice, and the higher it can go. So the, the depth of our learning is is proportionately equivalent to the height of um, how God can use us, right? Our, our humility, if, if our humility is deep, then God can also bless us and equip us with greater responsibility. So it's it's both and. So so Paul took the time to, to pour into people. Look, Paul shares the spotlight in the letter. He says, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus not just Paul right here and we read in other letters that he says Paul bond servant of Jesus Christ well Paul's creating space he's 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 moving aside and he's allowing the spotlight so to speak the spiritual spotlight the influence and the authority Paul must have some plans for Timothy Paul must be must be preparing Timothy to 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 build him up to create some authority to create some pop, right, in the kingdom, in the ministry, so that Paul can start duplicating himself, empowering others so he can send people that are younger, more youthful, and he can duplicate himself so that the ministry can grow and expand. I believe that's what God's preparing Mission Ebenezer for. I'm in a training phase right now. God's preparing me, y'all, and he's preparing you. God's preparing me and you at the same time for the different ways and the different things that God's going to call us to do. All right? So so, so this is exciting. And there, there's, a, there's a reason why here on Mission Ebenezer's Bible study tonight, we're going to continue to in, uh, unpack all these things so that we can see how God wants to build us up and grow us. So Paul took the time. He sat down, right? And he wrote this specific letter to the city church in Philippi. He wanted to build up the church in Philippi. He sent them this letter that they could read, that they could pass around. They could circulate it from home to home. Take care of it. Guard this. Oh, hey, I know somebody that is gifted in uh, the scribal arts. And they said they can, they can make a copy for us of this. And, and they could maybe circulate it to some of the other house churches that are meeting there in, in, in Philippi as well. You get it? You get it? So there, there we, we understand the historicity of the, the letter to the church at Philippi. 
and how sometimes there were mistakes in the uh, the replication or the copying of these letters. If a letter was written and, and, and copied from one to the other, guess what? Sometimes there were mistakes and sometimes those parchment, those scrolls were passed on, they were kept, they were preserved, but sometimes with certain grammatical spelling or um, just scribal errors. And so that's the way ancient artifacts and, and, and ancient, you know, historical documents like the Bible were sometimes kept, preserved, um, and then passed on, even with some mistakes. But we believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that these men were divinely led, and guys like Paul were divinely led to write about um, these specific things, which is the next T. The next T is, called, is about teaching. Paul gives us a lot about Jesus Christ in the letter uh, to the church at Philippi. He writes so much about Jesus and he interweaves throughout the gospel message of Jesus, personal testimony, personal suffering. He writes about their contemporary issues and the persecution that the church was, was undergoing. Paul writes about his own challenges, right? Um, we read about that here in chapter one. He says, you have found that it has been proven beneficial for me to actually be in prison so that I can demonstrate how to properly be a witness or a testimony for Jesus Christ um, to hold on to the gospel, to hold on to that which is Jesus Christ in the midst of suffering, Right? And so that's part of Paul's teaching. If I can unpack this, his teaching in four ways, okay? Number one, Philippians chapter one, Paul teaches about his personal testimony, that, and I want to call that chapter one, chains. Chapter one is about chains. It's about persecution. It's about suffering. It's about trial, right? Um, and what do we learn about Paul writing um, being shackled um, to chains. Well, how about this? When you and I are going through the most difficult time of our lives, we are reduced to um, our most humble state. When you go through a situation, you learn most when you're going through a time of adversity or challenge. That's when God teaches us the most, right? It's like sports. You learn the most when you lose. Because when you lose... If you're a competitor, you want to figure out how to win and how not to lose. So that means you have to work at your craft. You have to figure out, why am I losing? You have, to, you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to figure out strategy. You have to put in the work that is required in order to, uh, to grow, in order to get better, in order to increase, in order to improve. And that's what Paul's saying right here. He's like, I'm in chains. I'm shackled. I'm going through suffering. I'm experiencing loss. I'm experiencing depression. I'm experiencing challenges, pitfalls, defeats, sickness. Sometimes we're experiencing sickness and it's through our sickness that God teaches us. And so in chapter one, I call that the, the, the chapter of chains. All right. Not the chapter of change. 
It's the chapter of chains, all right? And, it, and it's in the chapter of chains, the chapter of your life or the chapter of my life, a chapter of chains. When you were shackled, maybe you were living in bondage. Maybe you were living in an abusive relationship. Maybe you were living in an oppressive state. Maybe the enemy had a hold of you by the neck, all right? And, and But the Lord pried the fingers of Satan from your neck and the Lord is now bringing you out. Well, Paul is speaking from shackles, from chains. And he is explaining to the people at Philippi and encouraging them that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. But let me not get ahead. That's for chapter four. Chapter two, Philippians chapter two, he speaks about humility in Christ Jesus. So he says, I've been in chains. And because I've been in chains, God is showing me what it's like to truly be humbled and to have the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of humility not arrogance, the spirit of servitude, not being served. Um, Paul says he, we should have the spirit of humility, which means that we must embody humility. What does it mean to embody humility? It means that we have to, we have to fight the flesh. Anger, we have to fight anger. We have to fight rage. We have to fight... Um, the temptation to verbally, right, be explosive. We have to fight the, the resist the, the temptation to um, vindicate ourselves. We have to fight or resist the temptation to, um, you know, cuss, you know, out of anger. We have to fight the, and resist the temptation to um, be swept up into the ways of the world. But Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 2 to imitate Christ's humility. Humility. All right. Um, so I think we, we can learn a lot from Paul's love letter to the church at Philippi. Through this adversity that he's experiencing and the letter that he's writing. All right. The third chapter of Philippians is about a higher calling, right? We press on to the, to the calling of Christ Jesus, to the mark that he has set before us. Chapter three, um, it encourages us from time to time to take inventory, spiritual inventory of our lives. Where are we at? Um, let's have a moment of pause. Let's rest from ministry. Let's rest from life. Let's take a breather. Let's figure out where we are, right? These last seven weeks for Boomy and I, we've been running and gunning. We have been going from one thing to the next. We've been living out of bags. We've been living with uh, our mother-in-law. Um, we weren't we're not able to get too comfortable there because we knew we were coming back home very quickly, but we've been on the go running kids uh, here and here and there and and school hasn't even really started yet for us, but yet we have had to take some moments of pause. We've had to go on dates. We've had to check in. How you doing, baby? How you doing, sweetie? She calls me sweetie or brewbaker. And and so um, it, Paul reminds us here to keep focused on the higher calling and to take spiritual inventory of where we are. Philippians chapter 4 is about strength in Jesus Christ. So 
Paul says, I've been shackled. I'm in chains. I've been humbled through Christ and it's made me stronger. I'm focused and have my eyes set on a higher calling. And finally, all of that has, has um, attributed to the strength that I now feel and that I possess through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I hope you guys are tracking with me. We're almost done. I'm going to be wrapping it up right now. All right. The third T, we talked about four T's. Time, the time that Paul spent to write this letter to the church at Philippi because he loved them and he wanted to build them up to become great leaders. Secondly, teaching. He's teaching them about who Jesus is. He's teaching them how to persevere, right? Um, and he's teaching them about the gospel. The third T is truth, right? Um, and what do I mean by that? Um, this is what he says in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true, dot, dot, dot. And then he begins to talk right here um, about contemplating death. Verse 21, for to me is to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. Yes, true, but not yet. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he actually contemplates being in jail and dying. That's what Paul is contemplating. He's contemplating death for the purposes of of Jesus Christ. It's a moment of truth for Paul. This last year, during the pandemic, many of us have been hearing about people who got really sick and thought they were going to die. Maybe you never got sick. Maybe you never had a, a an epiphany. Maybe you never had a, a flash or a moment where your life flashed before your eyes. But maybe this whole year was a year of pause for you to say, I'm tired of living this way. I'm ready to do this. Or maybe I need to move forward. I need to move on. And this year was a time of reflection. And it's, time, it's a time to grow. Well, guess what? This was a moment of truth for Paul. And for him, he said, whether it's death, whether it's jail, whether it's persecution or whether it's victory or whether it's living with plenty, Paul says, whatever the case may be, I am going to live to the fullest for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ. So what matters most to you? I want to ask you the question tonight or today. What matters most to you? If you've had a moment of pause, it's a moment of truth for, for you, for, for Paul. 
We're reading here in chapter one. It's a moment of truth for Paul. He's like, I'm locked up. What am I going to do now? Am I going to sell out? Am I going to do whatever I can to just try and get out of this mess? Am I going to lie? Am I going to deny Christ? Am I going to deny my witness, my testimony? Am I going to give up on my marriage? Am I going to give up on my kids? Am I going to give up on my calling? Am I going to throw in the towel in ministry? Am I going to bail on the calling that God has had on my life in ministry? What matters most? Maybe you've been dreaming about starting your own business. This last year has really caused you to think hard. Maybe the 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 stimulus package is put a little extra money in your pocket and you're figuring out, what am I going to do with this money? Where do I want to spend this money? Where do I, I value um, what God has done in my life? So for me, that's the third T um, that's important here in Philippians chapter one. We got the time that, that, that Paul spent to build them up because he loved them. Number two, he's the teaching that he's that he has poured into this letter in order that they the church at Philippi would have something to hold on to, something tangible that they could build on and continue to build the church, continue to build the body of Christ, um, and and be obedient to the calling, and also obedient to what God had instructed Paul to give them to do. Finally. The last T is training. The fourth T is training. Paul does a whole lot of training here in the book of Philippians. Training is intentional. Training has got to be detailed. Training is apostolic, meaning... Paul was training the people at Philippi, the church, from afar. He was training them from afar through a letter. Why am I spending so much time speaking about sending people? Apostoleo, that the apostolic calling or gift. Or training or equipping. Why am I why am I belaboring this? Because people of God, I, I pray that you get the vision. I pray that you you can hear my heart too of what, what God wants to do through us and where God's taking us. Um, that God would help us raise up church leaders, you guys. Church leaders that would be restored, maybe church leaders that are that are hurt, maybe Maybe the body of Christ, people that are Christians that are not in church. If you're hearing this message, this is for you, man. We want to build you back up. I want to meet you. I want to hear your story. I want to hear about how you were hurt and how God wants to build you back up. I want to hear about your calling and your passion and how God wants to equip you. God wants to get you back out there on the field. God wants to send you back out. Are you called to Ecuador? Come to Mission Ebenezer. Let's let's train and equip the missionaries and missionary teams. Scott called you to Africa. Come on over to Mission Ebenezer. Let's train and equip missionaries 
people who know how to raise funds um, as missionaries do, like, like Paul. I know how to raise funds. I've been trained. I've been equipped. I spent the last 18 years raising missionary offerings for Jesus Christ. Do you know that's what I do? People, people talk about pastors asking for money and all the church wants is money. I'm not embarrassed to ask people to give to God's work. I'm a missionary. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Paul's doing it right here. Paul, Paul's doing it right here. So why would, you, why would anybody be afraid of, of raising money for the gospel? If there's anything, if there's a, ever a cause worthy of raising money, it's the gospel. It's good to raise money for the poor. It's good to raise money for the homeless. It's good to raise money to feed um, hungry nations and hungry people. That's all the gospel. That's what the gospel does. And people need to hear about Jesus. And we need to bring people to Jesus. If you guys are with me right now and you're saying amen, share the Bible study. People need to hear this Bible study. People need to hear fearless people like myself that God has called to, to raise up an army, to raise up a church, to raise up a people, to build a training center on our campus. A training center on our campus to equip people that are called. I want to equip you. God wants to dep deputize you. Our team wants to equip you. Our team wants to deputize you in the gospel of Jesus Christ, put you where you're called and where you belong to serve in a capacity where you can live it to the fullest. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. If you're not in Los Angeles and you have no intention of moving back to Los Angeles, maybe you can't move back to Los Angeles, but you love the message that God has given to us and you want to be a part of our training our training center, our equipping center, our ministry training center, um, and you need to reach out to us. You need to you need to reach out so you can be a part of what God's doing. We have a leadership summit that's beginning in July. A leadership summit that's beginning in July. It's going to last for four weeks, and we're going to cast a vision of what God has called us to do: to restore, equip, and send people to impact the world for Jesus Christ. But look what it says here in chapter four. You think I'm crazy? You think, oh, uh, I'm not embarrassed to ask for, for money. I'm not embarrassed to raise up offerings. I'm not embarrassed to ask people um, to support the work of God. Look what he says in verse 10 of chapter 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. He's a missionary. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles, to know what I've been through, shackled, and what not. Moreover, as you, Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid, money, again and again, support, offerings, 
tithes when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. So what Paul says is your financial contributions went into the ministry and the work that God has called me to do, Paul says. And he says, in exchange, may you receive spiritual blessing and reward and financial in every which way, material blessing, whatnot, to be blessed. He says, may it be credited to your account here on earth and in heaven. I have received, Paul says, full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They're a fragrant offering. And no, the gift was not perfume. It was not cologne. Although Paul says it was a fragrant offering. No, it was money. Money smells good. Money smells good. Whether monetarily um, or an in-kind gift. Gifts are a blessing unto God. And they receive. Uh, they are received in heaven by God on behalf of the saints. I want you people to people of God to understand God has not called us to have the spirit of poverty. God has not called us to have a spirit of 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 um of fear. God has not called us you guys to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is sometimes when when there's a need, God calls us to respond to the need to present the need to the people of God so we can share in the blessing and in the reward that is that is from heaven above. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's saying, because you gave, God's going to continue to give to you so you can continue to give again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, turn to Acts real quick, just spontaneously and on the, on the fly. Acts chapter 10. God is um, getting a hold of Cornelius. And the angel of the Lord speaks to Cornelius. Look what it says in verse uh, 4 of chapter 10, book, book of Acts. And by the way, the book of Acts talks a lot about Paul. And his ministry. It gives you a lot of background. So if you want to read, look up Paul's name um, or Saul. Saul before he was converted. It, you can read all about it in the book of Acts. And Acts simply means what they mean. Acts or works or, um, you know, accomplishments. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Isn't that cool? So, so Cornelius' gifts to the poor, meaning monetary, food, clothing, um, it said it has come up as a memorial offering. Some say an, a, a sweet-smelling aroma, some translations, before God. Isn't that cool? And it's the same thing that Paul is saying here with the spiritual authority that has been given to him by God. So in other words, Paul speaks with a kind of authority and pop that, that, that I love and that I hope to, 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 to grow into as a pastor, as a man of God. I want to speak boldly on behalf of God. I want to speak into people's lives on behalf of God. I want to, I want to 
build up the kingdom of God on behalf of God. I want to first, I want to focus on my, my heart, my mind, my life, my spiritual life and walk with Jesus so I can continue to live and walk in the authority that God has given to me. And, but when my life is not right, when my spiritual life is crooked, when I'm living in sin, if I'm not serving Jesus, you guys, the way I need to serve Jesus, guess what? There's no authority. There's no power in my words. There's no power in our words. Our testimony is watered down. Our testimony is, is, is jacked up. And then some of us have to be restored. Some of us have to be um, uh, restored by brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ graciously and lovingly and be restored back in Jesus Christ so that we can, we can get back to living and operating in the joy of the Lord, which is our, His salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys. And those of you that are on fire for Jesus right now, it's because you're walking with Jesus. You're talking with Jesus. You're, you're, you're swimming in the authority of the Holy Spirit. You're swimming in the authority that Jesus has given to you, man. And, 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 and we don't want to stop that. But also, we want to make sure that we put some body on it. We want to put some structure on it. We want to put some muscles on it so that we can take what the Holy Spirit has given to us through power and use the intellect, the, the brilliant minds that God has given to us to reach all the world for Jesus Christ. So God is doing something great at Mission Ebenezer. God is reaching you right now with this message. Please share with your friends and your family so they can hear this message. If you're not encouraged by this message today, you guys, I don't know what would encourage you. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the word of God um, that he has given to us. And, and I want you to be a part of what God is doing at Mission Ebenezer. I want you to press in. I want you to press in. You may think, where's the vision, Pastor? Where's the mission, Pastor? Why aren't we doing enough, Pastor? Where, where are we, why aren't we doing it now, Pastor? Just hang tight. Just hang tight. Because when it, when it hits, it's going to explode. When it's ready, it's going to be like the, the most delicious Thanksgiving meal you've ever had. That's what it's going to be like. When you guys hear about what God is doing at Mission Ebenezer and how he's going to unpack the discipleship curriculum, how you can take somebody from not knowing Jesus from A to Z in the gospel and, and make a disciple out of them like, like Jesus has commissioned us in Matthew chapter 28, 19. And you're going to have the, the, the blueprint and we're going to put the blueprint in your hand. And then you're going to take somebody who, who's turned, become a disciple, and then we're going to equip them and turn them into a leader, and then we're going to send them, and we're going to be sent. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. So it's good stuff. It's happening right now. It's being bathed in prayer. It's being bathed in prayer, bathed in conversation, bathed in necessity, bathed in specificity, bathed in historicity. I'm just having fun now. And 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 God's going to God's going to send us back out. So so get ready. Get ready. There's a rumbling right now. Not a grumbling, there's a rumbling beneath the surface level. There's a wake right now that's that that the ship is is passing by and there's a wake that's being created right now that the pandemic has stirred up in us. And um, and I'm excited to help shepherd us through it, you guys. I love you. I miss you. Mission Ebenezer Family Church. Um, the mission. La Mission. 
Jesus Christ. I love you. I'll see you soon. God bless.